When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey parents, we have a great topic today for the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. And uh, it's one that Michael and I like because it's about talking too much and both of us are in the business of talking. <laughs> so we probably have some personal insights ourselves into uh, this particular question. Uh, this is a question that comes from one of our listeners. And we have a whole stack of listeners' questions, and we really take them seriously, and we get to them as quickly as possible. And if you do have a question, uh, we would be happy to address it in a future podcast. Our website is wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and there's a place where you can submit to us a question. Uh, there is also a place there where you can link over to our Facebook page, and we actually get some questions there as well, and we deal with them from time to time uh, throughout the week. Um, there's also a link to our sponsor, and we're so grateful for them uh, for their support and helping keep uh, this podcast on the air. And it's the Center, a place of hope up in the Seattle area, actually up in Everett, Washington, and uh, they deal with a lot of different issues where sometimes we really need some help and encourage you if you ever need help or any of your friends ever need help in terms of addictions or lifestyle issues, stress, anxiety, depression, uh, check them out. And uh, Greg Jantz has some books uh, that might be helpful for you as well. And again, we're so thankful for them. A Place of Hope, their uh, website is linked on wonderofparenting.com as well. So, Michael, this one comes to us from Viviana, and it's about her son, but I'm guessing we could say the same about girls as well, which is usually the case uh, in some of these topics. So I want to read her question. Uh, and her subject line was the kindergartner who talks too much, but um, we probably all have uh, know of kids who do this at any age. She says, mm-hmm. I love your podcast, which we appreciate. I'm a mom of three, six, four, and 18 months. My question is in regards to my six-year-old who is in kindergarten. We've been getting notes from his teacher that he talks too much in class, jumps around, and is disruptive. He is really such a smart kid and has always been social. He enjoys school and is doing very well otherwise. He is even in the accelerated reading program. Um, Sounds like a very, very smart kid. Uh, My concern is that his behavioral issues will get him labeled as the bad kid and may begin to affect his success in school later on. We have talked about it with him, and he just says that he keeps forgetting that he isn't supposed to talk when his teacher is talking. Is there anything that we can do to help him not be so impulsive? Thank you so much. And uh, so, Michael, I think that there are several levels to this question. Um, there's the, the level, of course, of uh, impulse control, perhaps. There's, uh, you know, how do we deal with this with his teachers uh, or with her teachers if it was a girl? Um, so uh, as we always say when we answer questions, 
Um, we can only answer them from a real broad perspective. We have new listeners every time tuning in. So if this is your first time listening, when we do these questions, uh, we aren't necessarily giving real specific advice. We can't do that. We don't have all the information we need, but we can use this as a starting point for some good discussion. So we've got a child in a classroom who is uh, talking too much, very bright kid. Um, what what uh, would just putting your your general brain science cap on? What what do you see going on in that question? Yeah, oh, it's a great question. This must affect millions and millions of people, you know, because everyone. If you have multiple kids, you often have one of them, as you said, male, female. You know, it could be any child who is a talker, who just yep. <laughs> he is a talker. And and I loved your joke because I was this kid, so I was always talking out of turn in school, always getting in trouble for it. Um, I could not shut up. And and so I want to say the good news for these parents, the good news for Viviana is that, um, you know, keep doing all the good things with this kid. He's going to turn out, he's going to turn out well. He's he, he, All this talking is going to lead to something good. He could um, be the next Michael Gurian for all we could, know. <laughs> oh my gosh, God, God save us. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, he could, he could be a pastor like you. He could be a a writer, you know, sort of teacher like I am, he could be president or yep, him if we want right. that. You know, it really could be anything because his <clears throat> his ability to articulate is actually a great thing. But all that said, um, uh, uh, let me suggest a few things uh, on both fronts, home and school. One one thing on the home front is to to do a self assessment of the way the family works and see if this child and if your kids are allowed to interrupt you. Uh, when parents are talking hmm. and and or when parents are talking to other people, when parents are on the phone. So uh, if the child is allowed to interrupt, so in other words, I'm talking, so let's say you and I are talking and my child comes in and interrupts, dad, dad, or mom, mom, and then I stop talking to you, Tim, and I turn to my child and start talking to my child. That is, uh, that is a, a, a uh, strategic, tactical way to help this child build the kind of verbal impulse control that that we want him to build or her to build and and that obviously is you can't interrupt me i'm sorry you're not allowed to interrupt me stand there for a minute wait i'll get to you when i'm done talking to tim right so so that's strategic and tactical and we can do that at home um to help this child to learn verbal impulse control um uh so that can work in any situation anytime the child is interrupting um, uh, unless the child is in danger, right? Unless the right. child's broken an arm, obviously, unless the child's in danger. But other than that, then we stop the child from interrupting. This will take, this is a six-year-old, if the interruption pattern has existed since the beginning, it may take a month or two. And the child may be in some distress and may not understand why, why is it that we're suddenly not letting him interrupt or her interrupt. But after a while, it will work. And then the child will have to wait Uh you and I will finish our conversation. Mom and dad will finish their conversation. And then the child gets to talk. So that would be one first thing I would say that can be done on the home front. On the school front, um, one thing the teachers could do uh, is to put their phone or some recording device, put it near the child uh, and turn it on so that so that the child kind of, uh, you know, and record this. So record this going on during the class and then play that back for the child um, uh, and say, okay, now do you get it? <laughs> like, now do you get why you, 
well, you can't do this because look, I was trying to teach you uh, subtraction and, and do you hear what you did? Because sometimes when we talk to the child, we just say, stop interrupting or, or be quiet, you know, or you talk too much in class, or we then call the parents, you know, we're right as a teacher, we're right, the child shouldn't do that. But the child doesn't experientially get it. So, but when the child listens to it, uh, and you may have to do this multiple times, the child listens to it, that can help a little. Um, and and so that's a strategy. Uh, I probably talked enough. So those are two strategies. What do you want me to talk about? Yeah, now? yeah. I, th- I think <laughs> that's really helpful. So it, you know, there, there's so much going on uh, in in these kinds of questions. You've got, uh, as you said, sort of the personality of the child. Uh, and, and in this case, it's a boy who's highly verbal. And, um, you know, boys aren't necessarily known for being uh, highly verbal all the time, uh, generally speaking, but, but we can be because both, both of us are. Uh, but uh, she mentioned something about impulse. Uh, in her question. Right. It's about and, impulsiveness. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about impulse control and um, some of the things that are uh, attached to that in the brain. So that's going to take us a little bit beyond her topic. But uh, impulse control seems to be one that I hear more and more from parents, uh, not just with talking, but other activities or actions as well. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, impulse control is is sort of one of the crucial maturation touch points. For all children, you know, we sort of get that they've matured, that they've become adults, or that they are becoming adults because they can control their impulses. And and we've talked about this before that that a lot of what growing up is about, and a lot of what the job of parents and teachers with kids is about, is to close the synapses and the pathways between where the where the experiences are happening in the brain, in the midbrain, the emotions, etc. They want to be pathwayed up to the executive decision-making parts of the brain, the control parts of the brain. And we want to make sure that all that develops so that that's a mature child and then that's a mature adult controlling impulses. Um, uh, however, there's a developmental arc for that. And and uh, it's not as if every two-year-old is, has impulse control, nor does every 15-year-old, you know. Um, so there's an arc to it and it's developmental and it fits the genome of each child. Some kids come into the world more naturally, uh, better naturally at impulse control, others less so. Um, females tend to be to, to be better at impulse control from the very beginning than males um, for any number of reasons, almost all of which have to do with the brain. Um, but even in utero, even scans of, of fetal brains, of male and female fetal brains in utero, uh, show that females have already developed more connectivity to the frontal area, right, than males have, even as fetuses. So, so, uh, certainly there's a sex difference between males and females and females tend to have more impulse control earlier. And then in terms of the, uh, uh, in terms of the verbal thing, you know, this kind of verbal talking out of turn is, is actually one of the ways that males posture and that they show off 
and that they prove themselves and that they try to sort of take control of environments, adjust environments to fit them, you know, all of these things they're doing uh, through the, uh, the impulse of talking out of turn um, and they have to learn to control it. But, it, it. but it's not as unusual in males as we may think from a sex difference point of view because it's a, it's a kind of posturing behavior. Huh. It's a proving myself behavior. And, and it's me being, you know, strong and moving up the hierarchy because look at me, look at me, look at me. Um, so, so we do have to cure a lot of males. And, and often what we find in classrooms is that less females do it than males, which may seem counterintuitive because we know that the female brain does tend to process more words. But we often find that less females do it than males because less because females already have better impulse control <laughs> yes. and they don't and they also don't need to posture this way. I mean males are always are often trying to posture. So so all of this put together, these are all I hope helpful facts for people and putting it all together that's why I that's why I suggest not letting kids interrupt at home and that's why I suggest that teachers kind of show these kids experientially what they're doing because um, because impulse control is crucial but a six-year-old boy a six-year-old boy may well probably will have less impulse control than a six-year-old girl so it's a double whammy for these boys right because their brains already are not set up to mature impulse control as quickly um, and so they need even more help from us in doing it but our job isn't to constantly shame them Right. Because that's going to, you know, go bad, um, you know, to say you're bad, you're bad, you're bad because you talk out of turn. We have to do it in these other ways, I think. Um, I mean, there's no reason there's nothing wrong with saying to a boy, OK, that's bad behavior. Stop. Right. Because because we're right. talking about the behavior. But but we don't want to shame them as 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 personas, as personalities. If they're built this way, um, we want to redirect it. So, uh, and we want to stop the behavior and we want to help them develop impulse control. And, and listen, I, I use the three times rule. If, if we're trying these strategies, but they're not working, you know, the third time that boy interrupts, he's, he, he needs to have some discipline. He needs to go sit in the hall. He needs to have some time out, whatever it is, because that is part of how we will teach him that impulse control by giving him consequences and, and through discipline, uh, through healthy discipline, uh, we'll teach him, okay. You got to control that impulse. Okay. And it'll take us months. It'll take us years, but, but we will do it. Now, when we're talking about impulse and impulse development, we're, we're talking really about a developmental uh, experience as, as kids grow into adults. But is there a, a clinical uh, impulse control uh, issue for some kids? Where, like a disorder? Yeah, like a disorder. Yep. Oh, yeah. You can certainly have, it can be included under an, a conduct disorder. Um yeah, and, and actually might be included under other disorders. I mean, the child could have OCD, obsessive compulsive, and interruption. Uh, this kind of behavior could be part of that, that lack of that impulse control. I, although I don't think in this case it's that. But, right. but yeah, there it, it can definitely um, fit under the umbrella of of, of a disorder, no doubt. Yeah, and, and I, I ask that because uh, th- that's been conversations around one of my grandsons is some of the impulse stuff for him, and and uh, they're, they're treating it more like a disorder than a, a developmental part of his life. 
And uh, so th- th- this stuff is kind of new to me uh, as we walk uh, some of those pathways with him. Yeah, yeah. There's a glitch in the brain. If if it's a disorder, like think about autistic kids. Okay, so it, it definitely fits under many of them. They can't control a, a specific set of impulses. Right. Right. And right. it's a glitch in the brain. There is not, there isn't tissue there. There isn't synapses. There aren't synapses there. And so uh, it's very hard for them, for their frontal to kick in and go, okay, wait, you can't suddenly shoot your fist out and touch the wall. You know, right. you, you can't do that. Right. But they don't have those synapses. So they have that impulse control issue. Right. And again, uh, Viviana, when we're talking about your question, it's it's uh, we're expanding the the portfolio here a little bit using your question as a, a jump, uh, a jumping off point. Uh, you know, her son uh, seems extremely smart. He's a kindergartner. He, you know, he's six years old and, and right. he likes to talk. So um, for her, it's more it's about strategy. <laughs> right. It's more about strategy. So we've, we've right. talked a little bit about some strategies for uh, helping him sort of control his his talking. How about some strategies to help actually help him harness that energy and uh, to build on this unique gift that he has of being a very intelligent boy who also has a, a, a who's going to have an amazing gift for communicating his intelligence through his words. How do we help him build on that rather than sort of uh, you know we have to help him control it when it needs to be controlled. But how do we help him utilize that and build on that gift? As an asset, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. I would love to see this child reading a lot because uh, reading is, is verbals. It's word production. Um, I think I think if he some of the direction goes into reading, it would be great. Um, hopefully, he's already reading a lot. At six, he should be able to read. So, um, Yeah, so and she said great. he's in the accelerated reading program, so that's good. Oh, yeah, there it is. Accelerated yep. reading. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's great that, that he's reading. Um, I, I think the parents should encourage him to stand up and, you know, give oratories mm-hmm. uh, to to lead discussions at dinner, give him a topic, see what he can say about it, you know, and as he gets older, he'll lead some debates at the table, um, uh, have him take positions. Um, and if they're involved in any kind of faith community or anything where he could take some leadership uh, I, I would think that he he'd be poised to take some leadership and then go through the 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 pleasures and the pains of being a kind of overly talkative kid who takes leadership you know and then the society the peers are going to push back on him when he talks too much and that's actually good for him that he does this in some sort of peer community where others where others let him lead and talk but also push back when he when he goes overboard that'll that'll help him develop impulses uh so i i would say i would say get him get him talking get him leading in ways uh that in in uh forms in enclosures in encounters like family encounters where um where he can use it to lead with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So one of her concerns, and this is a concern for a lot of parents, when they start getting bad reports from the teacher or at least concerning reports, uh, I don't want my child labeled. And uh, so she, I, I get the sense here that right. Viviana wants to be proactive 
and uh, you've given one good strategy for her to go in uh, to with the, the teacher and say, hey, try a little tape recorder of some sort and then play it back for him so he sees how much he's interrupting. Are there some other strategies that she can go into uh, to be proactive with the teacher and say, hey, we, you know, he talks a lot at home too. Um, and uh, here's some things we're doing at home. And are there some other things that she and the teacher can come to an agreement on? Um, you know, whether it's him making more oral reports in the classroom or, uh, you know, acting, whatever it is, what are some strategies she can bring to the teacher they can work out together? Um, and, and at the same time, not be one of those moms, right? So the, you're always concerned the as a parent, mom. right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't want my kid to be labeled as a bad kid, but if I interfere too, too much, then I'm going to be labeled as that mom. So there's such a delicate balance right. for moms and teachers as well. Right. Yeah. It's a delicate, yeah, it's absolutely. Well, the, and that, what I was saying before about the, don't want the kids shamed. I, I, I think the teacher can do what the teacher's doing. You know, I mean, the child is is causing some issues in the teacher's class. We can we can support the teacher in doing what she's doing, um, uh, you know, up to the point of shaming, and that would be labeling the kid a bad kid. That that's sort of the same thing. If if um, and there's no reason parents can't go in and observe in the classroom, and uh, so if if she's worried, if Viviana uh, and her and her partner or spouse are worried that this child is getting labeled, then you know, they should go in and, and they should observe. And if the teacher won't let them come in to observe, they can go to the hierarchy, to the administration mm-hmm. and say, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want this. I mean, these parents have some power. Now, it doesn't sound yet like the teacher is doing that. But right. if it gets to that point, that that is something that they can do and they can be empowered to do to protect their child. At the same time, I really support teachers and I really support uh I want to ask parents to support teachers because the teachers have the authority. So if the teacher says, uh, you, you did it again, you talked while I'm talking, I'm giving you three chances. So stop. You can't do that. You know, that's fine. And we need to support the teacher in that. Yep. And then the teacher talks again or another child talks and the kid interrupts. Okay, that's number two. You know what happens for number three? You sit in the hall. You know, and then support the teacher in having the child sit in the hall for five minutes. Um, uh, that's that is the teacher is there, so that is the main thing we should do is support her or him as long as they don't label the kid as a bad kid. Right. I, I would say I would say don't get too involved, except to support the teacher and the administration in doing the right thing. Uh, because if the kid, if the parent, if the teacher is not actually shaming this kid. And the teacher is not actually, um, you know, doing any harm to the kid. And we get involved as parents. I, you know, that can backfire. Right. And, I, you know, we all recognize that, you know, it's not just our child, our son or daughter in that classroom. There's a lot of other kids in there. It's one teacher. Um, I saw a, uh, uh, a cartoon. I think it was an editorial in one of the papers just the other day. It was sort of a then and now. And the, the then picture was the teacher and the parents uh, talking to the child uh, because he had done something wrong and they were in agreement on it. And the now was uh, it was the student who had been misbehaving and the parents taking on the teacher. And I think a lot of teachers <laughs> feel that way <laughs> these days, right? right. It's, it, the, the kids are never wrong. And that's not what we want for our kids either. That doesn't build resilience in our kids. We want to go in as a as a partner with the teacher to say, how do we best educate our child? And uh, so, you know, for Viviana... Uh, she does want her child to succeed, and he is succeeding. 
uh, he just has the gift gift of gab that needs to be harnessed and uh, and some impulse control for him as well. Yeah, well, and remember, and as you know, this teacher said, um, this teacher said he talks too much in class, jumps around, and is disruptive. Yes. So you know, so we focused on the talking, which is actually we get asked about a lot, but but let's also look at this child from the teacher point of view. If this this is a six year old who may have the just in his developmental arc, may be more like a four-year-old, mm. you know, um, in, and it's, it's not that there's that's something wrong with him. It's just that in his developmental arc, six, six for him, he's not really matured much yet, you know, right. and, and we know about some uh, kids like this. So, so there could be stuff at home, like the parents let him interrupt it. So, so on, right. This is going to be a delicate balance of all things. So the home could make some changes to help him mature. Right. Uh, the, the, the teacher can be really specific and can use strategies. And at the same time, we could see this kid, we can frame this kid as an immature kid who needs we our help to mature. And and that means all of us. That means the parents are going to get involved in helping him to mature. The teacher's going to get involved, you know, administration. Um, and, and that's, we're not going to say there's something wrong with him, but we're going to say, you know what, he... He's still like a four-year-old, so we really have to work on this, mm-hmm. and we'll make it a um, a big part of what we do because he should not he should not be disrupting the class. Right. Um, if if the teacher, I mean, one other thing we can say about the teacher is if this teacher in this school system has had no training in or does not understand the developmental arc of these boys, right? And if by the teacher's definition, disruptive is is just boy behavior, you know, um, which can happen. I mean, if you have a co-ed classroom, kindergarten classroom of 20 to 25, and they're half girls, half boys, and all the girls, or all but one girl, is sitting still, right, and acting a certain way, and two or three of the boys seem really disruptive, that's something to add on to what we've said, which is that it's possible that some training and education in in boy development and how boys, you know, are different than girls at six years old, that might also help. And sure. that might be something that the school could invest a little bit in and could help this situation. But at the same time, it does sound like this guy is a little bit immature and he needs our help. Well, and, and this is why these questions are so great, because they can take us down all kinds of different scenarios. Um, I, I I read this, and I think this boy sounds like he's quite intelligent. He's in the accelerated reading program in kindergarten. You know, I wasn't reading in kindergarden. Right. And, uh, uh, and, and could it be uh, another scenario for some boys or girls is he's just bored. It could be that he's yeah. way beyond and... Right. Or has a lot of that boy energy. Um, I think of Michael Thompson's film on uh, Raising Cain and uh, the one boy who had a lot of energy, and they just gave him a hall pass, and whenever he needed, he just went and walked the hallways and came back in because he had energy. And um, he needed to move more, and maybe one of the things that needs to happen in that kindergarten, at least for that boy, is more movement, um, maybe more brain breaks. You know, there are all kinds of things. Yeah, that's the training part. Yep. Right. So there's a lot of different scenarios for uh, those, and, and it really it takes a wise parent along with a wise teacher to look at all these options and um, and and to read Gurian books. You know, your book on boys and no. girls learn ah, differently ah. is Thank is you. excellent for teachers, um, and of course, saving our sons, the minds of girls. Um, th- those are books that really help us 
uh, better understand our kids and can help uh, our teachers as well. And I mentioned in a, a previous podcast that uh, we gave out your book, uh, Boys and Girls Learn Differently, to all of the teachers in our church. And I do think it's a great gift if you're on good terms with uh, somebody in your school system, the principal or your teacher. That's a great gift to get people started thinking about this, because as we've said before, our teachers are not trained in uh, brain science research for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And to whatever extent, as, as you've said, that maybe in this classroom, they're not moving around much. They're not doing brain breaks. You know, they're sitting a lot, which really favors female than, rather than male. To whatever extent this r- disruptive behavior is a result of that, the great news is that's easily curable because the teacher does not have to massively change a classroom. The teacher just gains skills and the school system gains skills, gets training in male-female brain difference and how it impacts learning, especially in these tender years. And... Um, then make some shifts in the classroom, which are not huge, don't take much time, but make some really good shifts, and some of this disruptive behavior can go down. We are here uh, because we are passionate about uh, helping our sons and daughters become all that they can be, and we know that it takes a community of people to do that. It takes uh, parents and grandparents and faith communities and scouting organizations, teachers, of course, And uh, one of the things that Michael has committed his life to uh, is not only helping parents, but educators. And they do a lot of work uh, with school systems all across the country. And uh, one of the things Michael also wants to do is to create resources to help you as parents, uh, to help your children grow, and and even to help uh, their children or their teachers better understand their kids. And so, Michael, you provide uh, this Wonder of Parenting community through Patreon. And uh, tell us a little bit about how people, what people will get from you. Ten dollars a month uh, is a great investment into being a parent. What do they get? Yeah, so uh, wonderofparenting.com, and you click that Patreon button. It's our Gurian community. You can join us there. Um, You can go, it clicks over automatically, and you'll see a list. You'll get video clips that I'll do that are just for, those are just for people who join that. So you all who join that, you'll get video clips every month. Um, And of course, access to this podcast. You can sign up for our newsletters. You can sign up also for the parent uh, online course which is six hours of, of coursework that you can take anytime and then divide it up and then five more hours with me and group coaching and individual coaching. Um, so there's a lot you can get and you also get, Tim's not saying it, but you get Dad Matters with this wonderful ebook that just by signing up, you get that ebook. So you immediately get value uh, for that as well. So we'd love to have you try it out. It's $10 and if you like it, you just stay subscribed. If uh, it's not for you, you just unsubscribe and uh, you get some good resources. Um, We want to encourage you to go to wonderofparenting.com and uh, look at all the different links. Of course, our sponsor, A Place of Hope, is on there, and uh, a a way to connect with our Facebook page uh, where we have ongoing dialogue throughout the week, and uh, would love to have you be a part of that. And, of course, as always, please invite your friends to listen in, and uh, we want to make sure that as many people as possible have a chance to discover the joy and wonder of being parents. Michael, thank you once again. Oh, thanks, Tim. Thanks, everyone. And we look forward to being with you the next time on the Wonder of Parenting podcast. 
Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save 